Earbud Media. Audio for everyone. Hi, I'm Shayna. And I'm Bryce. And welcome to Charmed, Charmed a, a Spellcast. spellcast. with the really nice hair and a penchant for 90s style and kicking ass and taking names when names are worthwhile and knowing how to fight like girls in this patriarchal demon infested world they're the charmed ones they're the charmed ones they're the charmed ones charmed Hello! Good evening. It's us. You may be thinking, great, time to talk about Charmed. No! (laughs) (laughs) You would be wrong. We are uh, this week going to be talking about witchcraft and pop culture and media and um, gay fantasia on witchcraft themes as usual but this week as per usual but this week as teased on the last episode or just explicitly said on the last episode we're going to be talking about the disney plus series wandavision Mm -hmm. Uh Um, i I mean i will warn you that it's going to probably be a light dive because like can't cover an entire season in one podcast, but there will be spoilers. So yeah. if you've not oh, seen yeah. it yet, get the frick out Spoiler of here. Spoiler full. Spoiler full. Get packing. This... Skedaddle. We're never really spoiler free. Well, I guess we like try to be for, for Charmed itself because you haven't actually watched the series. That's true. In its entirety. Um, but yeah, no, this is spoiler full. And we're here for one reason and one reason only. Tell them. Catherine Hahn. Oh. <laughs> I'm here for one reason, one reason only, actually. Um, but yeah, both of us got caught up in the, the frenzy of a new show during quarantine that we could all kind of have like a water cooler moment <laughs> with, which has been really thrilling in some ways, actually, um, in my opinion. I don't know how you feel about that. No, it's been good. It's it's haven't had this since Tiger King came out. Oh yeah. That was like five quarantine seasons ago. <laughs> exactly. Um woof. My I still haven't changed. seen Tiger King, actually. Oh, there's probably no reason to. I don't think it's yeah. as good as people may say, like in terms of its form as a documentary. It's just uh entertaining because it's like bad people doing bad stuff. Mmm, our favorite thing. <laughs> Um, it's like a I TLC say, show. Sorry. I, I've heard that. I've heard that. I've heard it's TLC, but like intrigue and murder and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's TLC on crack, know. which I mean, Ooh, a little bit maybe they up, were. Pump up the volume, <laughs> TLC. Um, I would say in terms of like the full series or the new seasons of things that I've watched whilst in the pandemic. WandaVision in terms of excitement would definitely rank very highly Hmm. um, because it was just exciting to have something to like look forward to each week 
like regular television. <laughs> um, but that everyone was really into, and despite, you know, whatever your qualms were with it, and I, I know many people had many qualms, and so did I, there was still a fun, like, building mystery and stuff like that. Yeah. So... I would say WandaVision just like as an experience was very exciting and pretty high and then I but my number one uh relatively recent pandemic show that I've been watching uh was definitely Succession. Ooh. That's um Yeah. It's also high drama. High drama, very different. I don't think we're going to be covering it here on Charm to Spellcast. So watch out for Shayna's other pod. Yes. Uh, succession. Be... Wouldn't you? <laughs> I was gonna go for like a like a like another podcast word, like the high cast or the money cast. The high cast. The money planet money planet, on NPR. The indicator on planet money. Ah, not not a, not a sponsorship. <laughs> we are not them. Not. Not affiliated. Not affiliated. Um, let's see. Uh, no, I can't think of anything. The The Roy Boys. No. The Roy um, Boys. It's just me. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I, I've certainly enjoyed having something, like I said, to be a water cooler moment. Mo- mm. <laughs> <laughs> water cooler moment. And I think I kind of miss that i miss being able to talk in person about tv of course but uh being on twitter for wandavision was definitely worse oh uh did not bring you joy it was uh it was just not as good as talking to real life humans Uh, yeah i see i would say yeah Yeah. i i have a i have a lot of thoughts about wandavision um because i have a lot of thoughts generally about comic books and superheroes but i think that one thing i realized while i was prepping for this show is that a lot of people do generally like reading comics and they're like yeah this is a fun story and they like watching a marvel movie or two but i think it's so hard to like really love it and really love the world of it if you can't talk and write and just like get immersed into like a whole community about it Mm. Yeah, are you advocating that people join a fandom? No, I'm. I'm <laughs> um, no, <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I mean, to each their own. But I, I just realized that the the lure of comics isn't just being. I mean, maybe for some people they're like, yeah, I like to sit in my room alone and read my books. But I think the allure for me is being able to talk about it and like engage in this shared mythology of all these other people. Mm, I like that. Do you have any favorite comics? Um, I don't. I don't know. I I actually haven't been in that world for a while, so I I'm sure that I'm like forgetting something that I really loved. Um, I do remember that one of the first things that made me be like, oh heck, comics was there was like this um, Wolverine, uh, series. I don't remember who wrote it, or even like what it was about, but it was so good. And it was just about Wolverine and not really about the rest of the other X-Men. And I don't even know if it was, like, an origin story or not. I think it probably wasn't. I think it was, like, a way distant future, like, 
post being a part of the X-Men story. And I really liked it. And I also read a Hawkeye comic that I really liked as well. And I don't remember who wrote that one either. And I wish I could recommend that one, but it's okay. Okay. So we we had some detective work to do. Yeah. If I can figure, I mean, if I had to recommend one, I think it would probably be that Hawkeye comic because I remember the art and uh, just like the storyline. It's kind of similar actually to the Scarlet, not Scarlet Witch, to WandaVision in that it deals with um, an overtone of grief. Uh, if I can find that author mm. and that artist, then I'll share it in our, in our pod description. Hell yeah. Um, I was never really a, a comics person. I mean, I, I liked Archie comics. Mm-hmm. Loved Archie comics. I, I should say I wasn't a superhero comics person. Mm-hmm. Um, just because that wasn't what I was introduced to growing up. But I do I do have some very fond memories with comics, and one of my favorite is of a very different genre. It's called Hothead Paisan, ho- uh, Homicidal Lesbian Terrorist. Oh, man. That sounds it's really awesome. good. <laughs> it's great. It, it was... Uh, it ran in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And it's just... <laughs> it's just a, a lesbian who's really angry... <laughs> with everything and it's really funny and spunky i don't think i think spunky is like too light of a word to describe how like wild it is but it's really fun ah that, um, that is awesome yeah so would would definitely recommend hothead paisan by uh diane damasa mm-hmm. if anyone's looking for a a comic wreck but i I just remember, like, the only kind of superhero-y, and I don't even know if, I guess it is now considered that, but the superhero-y comic that I read as a kid was one that scared the bejesus out of me. Oh, what was it? Um, Umbrella Academy. Oh, <laughs> I, I haven't, I don't know anything about that story, but I do know that it's a TV show on Netflix now. It is, it is. Apparently it's less scary as a TV show. Interesting, I heard um, it was pretty intense. Oh my god, well, I'm glad I'm not watching it. (laughs) Hey Bryce! Hey yourself! Do you know what time it is? Never. Uh, well, it's time to hype our incredible, one-of-a-kind sponsor, Super Yaki. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top-quality merchandise to showcase your love for film and TV. They've got everything. From super soft t-shirts saluting the brave of us out there who love to watch movies by ourselves, to comfy sweatshirts and aprons commemorating historic events like the night Stanley Tucci made a Negroni. I will never forget it. (laughs) Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks, and shipped using compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And, as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with code SUPERCHARMED. All caps, no spaces. At checkout. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. I miss going to the movies so much, but wearing my Super Yaki A Penny Marshall Film shirt does at least give me a little feeling of connection to all our friends out there ceaselessly watching and yelling about movies. I think I want their Jennifer's Body or Judy Greer or Kelly Marie Tran merch next. 
but it is so hard to choose, so maybe I should get all of it. <laughs> yes, I have a hat. Yeah, you do. So remember, go to superyaki.com and use Super Charmed for 10% off at checkout. You too can have a hat. That's S-U-P-E-R-Y-A-K-I dot com. But anyway, yeah. So you're. I guess we're we're coming at WandaVision from two pretty different perspectives with like superheroes and comics. Which um, I think is actually really exciting. It means that we have a lot of different ways to approach this conversation. Absolutely. What I would first like to know, Bryce, is how did you feel overall about it? That's an excellent first question. Um, okay. As a concept, I really enjoyed it. I was like, they are trying to introduce the story of Scarlet Witch to a new generation, to a TV watching generation, to a generation that is used to the giant Marvel Cinematic Universe and Disney being at the helm of it. Um, but as an executed piece of work, I didn't, like, at the end of it, I was not satisfied. Um, I thought the, fun, the beginning was fun, like all the different episodes that go through all the different genre or decades of sitcom styles. But beyond that, I did not have a lot of love for the show. Mm-hmm. What about you? Uh, I would say very similar. I I have a lot of anger <laughs> about it, frankly. Um, I also thought the concept was interesting enough. I have seen a lot of Marvel films, but I, I've never been like a huge, I don't know, follower or like in the fandom or anything. Uh-huh. Um, oh, I hear some sirens. They're coming for me. Got Jack him. Schaefer, this the showrunner of WandaVision, heard me. Um, <laughs> Put her hands up. Who, by the way, I like her work. So I'll just say that, Jack, if you're listening. Yeah, no, I thought it was, you know, fun enough. And the first four episodes, for anyone who hasn't watched this series yet, I would say, meh. <laughs> like, you, <laughs> you can. Um, you know, it's fun enough. And if you already have disney plus for some reason then like yeah sure go for it if you don't have disney plus don't get it um but that's partly because disney is buying up everything and uh swallowing up ip and not paying their workers enough either so (laughs) anyway had to be said (sighs) had had to be said hollywood corrupt like everything else who would have thunk it um hollywood My God! The place that... That hotbed of liberal activity and homosexuality? Just kidding. It's very conservative, kids. Um, yeah, I was gonna be like, what? Hollywood? Uh, corrupt? The place that birthed Harvey Weinstein? Huh. Oh, what? Yeah. Um, this, you know, this series was not as upsetting as all that, thankfully. But I also, I enjoyed the concept and the first few episodes were much more interesting than its conclusion, Uh which essentially turned out to be just a lead up to revealing a new costume (laughs) for an Avenger. Yeah. You know, a nice costume. 
I love that leather. That's fun. Uh, but yeah, frankly, it it kind of fizzled out. It had a very interesting introduction, like you said, going through the decades in a sitcom world, and there was an air of mystery to it. No one really knew what was going on, so there was a lot of fun to be had with theorizing. I love that. I love theorizing about uh, TV, and I don't particularly care about spoilers or anything, but I just love thinking about all the different ways it could have gone. Yeah. Um, and it was... Some some of the decades that they did were executed better than others, and as I was watching it, I was thinking, oh, the writer's room grew up watching this de- decade or watching this decade, because, for instance, they did, like, the 50s that they started out with was very cute mm-hmm. and, and was pretty well done. Um, 60s were fine. 70s were, like, kind of off kind of it was like the 90s interpretation of the 70s yeah exactly 80s were fun i definitely like it fell full housey um though i guess that's 90s Uh, i think it like leads into the beginning of the 90s but i think it starts so like 80s they did well but the one that i thought they got the most correct was like 2000 2010s yeah going yeah. from Malcolm in the middle yep. which was freaking fantastic like spot on <laughs> i thought i was like who who in the writers room wh- whose favorite show was this mm-hmm. um cuz i i thought it just could have been an episode of Malcolm in the middle <laughs> and then modern family was also I thought pretty decent. Yeah, I, I think that they did a really good imitation or impression. I yeah, yeah, I, they captured it. Um, it was it was an imitation, and then the the star of the show was doing uh, an impression. Doing, doing an impression of Julie Bowen in Modern Family was pretty great. Yeah, that's correct. It it was a joy to watch that. They just felt so in their element. Um, the whole, I, mm-hmm. I guess, the actress, but also just, like, everyone making the... You could feel behind the scenes that everyone knew what they were doing. Like, they knew what they were going for. Yeah, exactly. So, like, in terms of that, there are things to critique already. There are definite successes and, and definite kind of weaknesses. But I I wish that it had just stayed within this world of these shifting decades Uh and the mystery within them that was so much more introspective within the first few episodes than it became Uh Um, because eventually we learned that this um, insular world is tied to the outside avengers universe uh in in which there are so many different branches of the special military forces i don't know how to keep track of them all (laughs) and it's all about weaponizing the avengers again um and that that part of it is just to me kind of boring aesthetically 
Oh, no, totally. Like, when they switch over to, like, we're in the action movie mode now, you can see how it, the, like, color palette gets less interesting, the way that they move the camera gets less interesting. Like, it just mm -hmm. feels devoid of emotion, which I think is the goal. Like, you're supposed to watch a, a Marvel film and be like, oh, I don't know who's holding the camera. Like, I'm just watching these superheroes do their thing. Yeah, that's a good point. Very, very autonomous, uh omniscient camera that you don't notice uh -huh. um, yeah and very manipulative like every everything about the world of the marvel cinematic universe is like hyper manipulative in terms of its soundtrack in terms of its emotional beats like all of it and i think it was more exciting to be in a different world where those conventions didn't show up as much because you had to really think about it. You had to be like, what exactly is happening here? Mm -hmm. I wonder what they're doing. Yeah. And the other thing, which is like what I think was the really big draw to when Guardians of the Galaxy first came out is that the stakes were different. Like we were, it didn't feel for a moment like we were a part of this huge plan that was phase five or whatever. And this has got to fit into the mm. giant puzzle or whatever. It felt like this was like a view of this person's life and we're looking at their story and it's like, ins like okay, the hex, it's insular. Um, but also like metaphorically it's insular. Whereas um, the second yeah. we had to branch out and be like, okay, how does this fit into the like larger scheme of things? It just felt less interesting. My brain just turned off. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, I'm not really watching this anymore. Yeah, just let the story carry me because Marvel will, will just hold me in its hands as it carries me along. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, but it was but it was very interesting in the beginning. Yeah, and, and before we get any further, I would like to say that um, when I was I, I was really happy to do some prep work for this episode, and I listened to Ooh. a couple of other podcasts. Well, just one other, a uh, couple of other, and I really have to recommend that if you want to. Um, be someone who listens to more of these kinds of like comic book podcasts um you should listen to bitches on comics it's about uh two bitches <laughs> who are really into the comic world and they write a lot for a different bunch of different publications about comics and they have their own podcast and it's hosted by um essie fleener who i think goes by they them and then sarah sentry who is she her i might have flip-flop that any the point is that they're really good and listening to them is just so comforting because they know what they're talking about and they i've read a couple of their articles and they're very good they're very um steeped in the in the legends of all the different comic books and they they know all the writers and they um it's just a joy to hear them like two people who know what they're talking about rip into this show so give that a listen Ooh. yes i will thank you um and the other thing I want to say before we got any further, because I know that we should probably just start with it, since it's the thing we want to talk about most, is tell me how you feel about Catherine Hahn and Agatha Harkness. <laughs> Interesting. I've never thought about it. Um, <laughs> who? No thoughts. No thoughts. I. Okay, I feel a lot of ways. The number one way I feel about Agnes slash Agatha Harkness within wandavision is that she was the best part for me mm -hmm. <laughs> um it certainly is somebody who just likes katherine hahn but also because she got to do a lot of stuff that nobody else was doing 
And she had an, an entire inner life and sustained that that inner life throughout the season. Um, and again, like I said, I really like theorizing. So I was just wondering what was going on with her because she obviously did not fit um, both within the world of the story. Like there was always something a little bit off about her. Um, and then also Catherine Hahn within the Marvel Cinematic Universe is hilarious. I I say that because she's been in so many independent features for a long time now in television and is just a very different type of performer than what we typically see um within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. She's she's not a polished performer and I say that in like the most complimentary terms. But it's it's not just like stating something and that's what appears and it's smooth on the surface and like delivering a performance or like delivering a line like for instance avengers assemble Uh um like i i if i was to pick a pick any actor to say any sort of like superheroic like climactic or like crescendoing lines like i would never in a million years pick katherine hahn because she is so subtle Uh And a lot of what she does. And she has a lot of double meaning in a lot of what she does. So I thought that was cool that the character that she was playing was someone who had so much double meaning. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought that was a smart casting choice. Yeah. I, I think in terms of casting, it was really well done. It, I, I don't, I'm not really familiar with the Agatha Harkness character. I know that the way that they portrayed her in the show is very different from the way that they portrayed her. I mean, not not like, I don't, don't know about her personality, but um, her character. She's arc. an old lady. <laughs> yeah, and, and the role that she serves in the story is very different in the show than it is in the wider canon. But, like, there are so many different storylines um, and there are so many different portrayals of Agatha Harkness that it doesn't really matter. Um, I think it's really cool that they made her such a powerful, intimidating figure. But um, I, I would say that it was most impressive when she was doing that subtle thing, like you said. Like, when, well, okay, there are two ways, there are two times I loved her the most. It was not when she was like at her fullest, witchiest, and she was like in the sky and she was like, yeah, yeah that was silly. Yelling. My favorite moments were when they did the like, um, um, oh, frick, uh, like the Adams Family theme song, and she's like, it was Agatha all along, and she's like doing her makeup, and it's like showing how she was behind the scenes. Like that little music video interlude, I think was great. And I, oh yeah, and I also think was great. Like obviously she had a she did a great job during out the entirety of the show, but the part that really sold me was like literally her last scene where she, where Wanda was going to put her back in her own mind and like lock her into that prison um, of like being this character in a sitcom. And she she goes from like don't do this to like suddenly being in that character, and then she's just like okie dokie neighbor, and I was like, that's really good. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, it. <laughs> I just thought about when she's in the skies, this like billowing villainous witch, and like made out to be the biggest villain of Wandavision, which I don't think she is uh, personally. And I ha- I actually have quite a bit of anger at, like, how much 
it was glossed over that Wanda herself, who had been controlling everything, like all the the brains of the townspeople, (laughs) basically, and like trapping all of them, how she kind of got off scot-free from that. Yeah. Um, it, ethically. Do you want to talk more about that or do you have something else you were going to mention first? No, I was, okay. I'll, I'll mention what I was going to say first and then we'll go back into that. But when Agatha is like the villain in the sky with her purple robes and like blackened fingertips and like, you know, her, <laughs> her, uh, Friend, I call friend. I would say frenemy because I think they really do have an interesting relationship that isn't just villain and hero, um, or they could have more of one. But when she says the line that's like "You're the Scarlet Witch," <laughs> I just like laughed. Yeah, because again, no subtlety, no subtlety. Like those big superheroic lines that remind you that you're in the marvel cinematic universe and they're supposed to be the big mic drop and they're just <sighs> yeah there's the there's so much build up everything in the film or in the in the tv show is setting you up for this moment of like wow and it's just boring it, it's like a moment where you can tell that Marvel has taken the script and they're like, okay, like, we're so grateful for you and your acting prowess, but uh, we need you to say these exact lines at this exact time and it hit your mark. Um, yeah. Which is like, I mean, when you say that she's subtle, I find that kind of funny because I think she does play a lot of character. Ca- character oh, totally. characters. <laughs> like, she's sometimes a character actor. actor and um, But there is still a subtlety in, like, her timing and her pacing and the way she, like, moves her face that makes that awesome whereas in the show it's just like put your body here and say these words yeah definitely i would yeah no you're totally right she has been a character actor for a long time um and does a lot of really ridiculous things but there's always a second beat Uh (laughs) there's always something else going on um and i it's like katherine hahn is acting as Catherine, like Catherine Hunt, who she thinks Catherine Hunt should be, but she's also thinking about something else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, there's always, <laughs> there's always at least two layers to it, and a lot of the lines have like a little moment of hesitation or like something is said but something else is meant. Yeah, and but there's you can't do that with. Uh, <laughs> you're the scarlet witch (laughs) yeah it's definitely like the director was like okay that was great but can you be like you know just just more obvious about it (laughs) and like just tell us the story and she was like okay here it is you know um bum 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 (laughs) but i want to talk about the about wanda being the villain because i'm i'm very interested to hear what you have to say about that oh yeah 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 okay all right so rolls up their sleeves. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I I think we all agree here that villainy in Disney films means that you're gay. <laughs> um Disney owns Marvel, so this is technically a Disney production. Therefore, Agatha's gay. Um 
Facts. Facts. Facts and facts and facts. Shannon but doesn't make the rules. They just enforce them. No. I very stringently, in fact. Um, it's like the moral police, but like the opposite of what you would want the moral police to <laughs> or no, 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 no. It is what you would want the moral police to be if if we lived in a just society. Mm. Um But very often I find myself like identifying more with the villain anyway. You know, like, oh yeah, sure. That seems like a, a reasonable <laughs> Uh, reason to be upset Mm -hmm. and this time it's it's partly relating to other ways that Agatha Harkness has been portrayed which is as a mentor figure to Wanda and like you know definitely a screwed up one and has a lot of ulterior motives but somebody who teaches her Mm -hmm. and I all like I almost hoped i almost had a grain of a hope that that's what this would be um and then of course it it didn't end up being that but it seems as though all the villainy that agatha does isn't in stuff of her own making it's in illuminating what wanda has already done which is of course born out of you know grief that's it God, that's another hit you on the head kind of thing. Like, this is all a metaphor for grief. Mm-hmm. Um, which is certainly interesting and could have been more interesting if we hadn't had the invasion of the MCU military world. <laughs> um, but even though Wanda does things through emotional and and mental breakdown and giving way of her her powers to only rely on her emotions and you know no reason um she does some really really terrible shit Uh and the most obvious being trapping an entire town in new jersey yeah you know Sorry. Oh, I no, was just go gonna on. say, like that's that's it. That's the obvious thing. It's like in their own brains, and from the first episode, it's like you can practically see like the blood coming out of their ears. You know? <laughs> yeah, they've expressed so, how much pain they're in. Sorry, sorry. Go on. Yeah, constantly, constantly, every single episode, they're like, "Help me!" <laughs> and by the end, when there's that big fight scene um, in which Agatha, like, makes townspeople aware. Again, she's not doing anything that is, like, organic. It's all it's already existing there. There's nothing particularly evil, <laughs> you know, other than this whole... You know, ah, give me your power. Which is a very, very typical villain move. Um, you know, what are we going to do today? Take over the world, of course. <laughs> yeah, but... the brain. 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 But the, it just doesn't seem like a world-bending, destructive villain. 
like she's existed this long however many you know hundreds of years without destroying the world and without coming after wanda and the only the only reason she was over on that stake herself and taking everybody's powers is because they were trying to kill her yeah it half the time you're like yes please take wanda's powers look how much damage she's doing but the show is trying to tell you like no she can't take wanda's powers because that's bad because then she'll that's bad yeah look how much damage she's doing and what does like what does agatha offer basically um what agatha is trying to offer is if you give me your powers you can stay here with your fake family and that is all that wanda has been fighting for the entire time yeah and and there's no explicit like oh i'm agatha hartness and i, I want to take over the world it's really just more like i want to have more powers whereas yep Scar- the scarlet witch which i guess we'll just say it like wanda is the scarlet witch oh, oh surprise yeah. Ooh. <laughs> um wanda's like i actively want to enslave all of these people in this town and uh bend them to my will yeah, because that's the only way that my fake family can survive. Mm-hmm. And I can't I can't deal with it otherwise. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I get it. Um, uh, Teona Paris, who plays Monica, mm. uh, Monica Rambeau, she has a lot of empathy for Wanda because her own mom passed away. And she has a lot of grief over that, over not being able to be there for her mother. And, uh, basically, basically states, like, if you had all that power and you could bring your loved one back, wouldn't you do that? Mm-hmm. And so, it you know, it makes sense uh, that they're trying to set up this empathy machine Yeah, it, for the hero. <laughs> but in a way, Monica's right. And I think that her ability to have that kind of empathy is, like, a really strong point of the character. It's just, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that it's a free pass. It doesn't mean that just because we understand why Wanda did this doesn't mean that it's okay that she did this. No, it's fucking wrong. (laughs) It's, uh, I feel like, I feel like Faith in Buffy's body. Um, There's, sorry, this is, this is a total segue or non sequitur, but in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, there's an episode, spoiler, in which uh, somebody else inhabits Buffy's body who is usually a villain. Um, and is now the ultimate hero and <laughs> spends her first like morning in Buffy's body practicing in the mirror. I'm Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs> and you can't do that. It's wrong. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's just how I feel about Marvel. Um Okay, so this the Scarlet Witch story has always been a tricky story. Um because this this thing where she takes over the minds and the hearts and the like of entire worlds has been an explicit thing in the comic book universe. And honestly, there are so many different universes and storylines in comic books. And to me, nothing's canon. Um, mm-hmm. But if if we had to say like, okay, what did they base this story off of for the new Marvel Cinematic Universe? It's based off the House of M storyline, which is when yeah. right, which is when she basically creates this alternate universe in which everyone has what she thinks is their happiest life 
But it's really, it's actually like a lie. Like she should go to liar's jail because no one actually really is as happy as she thought they would be. So that, I mean, and then of course that story leads, not of course, but like that House of M storyline then leads into the um, No More Mutants storyline, which she like utters the words like No More Mutants and then she like decimates the majority of the mutant population and they start calling her the pretender. And she has, basically she destroys everything. <laughs> she destroys everything she touches. Um, but it's, it's beyond that then as well, because every single story since those storylines has been about how the Scarlet Witch has been trying to redeem herself, has been trying to like show how she grieves for her mistakes, how she has, wants to pay for her mistakes. Um, and it's actually a really powerful story about someone who is fucked up so much can still try to crawl their way back into, I don't know, a place where they feel better about themselves and where they can live of themselves which is not what, this, not what this TV show is doing. This TV show is like, this person fucked up, but also they're a superhero, so they get a free pass. Mm-hmm, exactly. I think it would have been much more interesting if it went that way, and it could have within the series. Yeah. If it hadn't been so concerned with the integration of MCU. Yeah, I mean, going back to the interesting part about how, like, this is a metaphor for grief. I, I think that would, it would have been really powerful if they showed like, oh, wow, the grief is crippling. And it really does make you try to do things because grief is like a last expression of love. But at the same time, you can work on grief. You can work on how you feel about yourself and how you relate to the world. And I think that that work was not shown at all. Um, which would have been a really mm-hmm. interesting storyline. Absolutely. I think that's what the villains were there for. Yeah. And so you didn't you didn't have to go that way. You didn't have to actually look any deeper. Uh, now you can actually just pin it on two people, really. One was the, the director of S.W.O.R.D., which was the, the military arm that was looking to use Wanda's husband, Wanda's dead husband, as a weapon. And the other was Agatha. Mm-hmm. It's like, great, okay, both of them got taken care of, so we don't have to do any grief counseling. <laughs> um, and we don't have to make any sort of reparations or any sort of like healing amongst all of the so many people that Wanda has harmed. Yeah, there's no transformative justice, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, should we expect that in this show? <laughs> no, but it would have been interesting. It would have. It would have. You're right. Yeah, because people would have been able to reject her, too. Yeah. There wasn't, there wasn't a chance for that either. You as an audience member, you're allowed to reject it, of course. Um, but there still wasn't any choice by the end of it. Yeah, well, like you said, Marvel is so manipulative. Even if in your conscious brain you're like hmm maybe i don't like wanda the way that they play the music the way that they like show the shots of her majestically flying away you're just like okay yeah she's 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 a good guy like i I gotta like her Yeah, okay yeah she's a hero i guess yeah yeah also and i still for why for why would you imprison uh agatha in that way i've actually heard a that's just yeah sorry oh go ahead oh i've heard a couple of podcasts say that um I mean, this means that they're going to have to bring her back for the Wanda, for the Scarlet Witch movie. Oh, yeah. 
of course. Yeah, I know where to find you. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, we get it. Yeah. Fine. But what a cruel way. You're right. To imprison someone. Like, we don't. Mm -hmm. Wanda, in her grief, is hurting other people, and she has not dealt with that. Yeah. And again, again, when she seems to have regained her faculties, decides to hurt. Again. Somebody else, like, very directly. Yeah. And painfully. And now she's, like, allowed to do it. Now she's like, yeah, this is, that's the bad guy. Of course you can do that to them. Yeah. But it's like, Wanda, you were the bad guy. Shitty. Five seconds ago. Like, have a little, mm -hmm. <laughs> a little empathy. Tiny, tiny bit. Tiniest bit. Ugh. I do, I briefly want to talk about the thing that first made me think we should do a podcast episode on this. Sure. Uh, which was <laughs> the portrayal of witchcraft. Mm-hmm. On screen, because we here at Charm to Spellcast like to like to talk about that <laughs> a bit, <laughs> a little bit, and I, something that I was just so frustrated by was how the witch powers are made are stylized to look like superhero powers. Oh yeah, so silly and like robotic. Or, or mechanical, you know, whatever you want to call it. Mm. When we have a flashback scene to Agatha Harkness first gaining her powers and her coven attempting to burn her at the stake, um, she has these, like, giant purple beams of light and just streams of energy and things like that just, like, radiating out from her. Which, you know, is like, okay, <laughs> you know, sure, oh, fine. Yeah. But the thing that just, like, ticked me off and made me, like, choke laugh was the way that she leaves the scene of her, what ends up being a massacre, in which she takes everybody's power in life. She like blasts off. Oh, <laughs> like you can you can hear the like little reverberation, like the <laughs> engines of like, poo, <laughs> like into the sky as she flies, and it was just I don't know. It lost, you know, really lost the magic for me. <laughs> um, but um, <laughs> but it it did. There was nothing. In that moment, I was just disappointed. I was like, that's the like least magical, most, again, I keep saying militaristic. And a part of that is because Marvel does have a contract with the Pentagon about how they're allowed to portray the military. Oh, no um, way. Did not know. Yeah, it's rough. Uh, but... It's but it's just so like far removed from what I find to be the exciting things about portrayals of magic on screen. Mm -hmm. And again, no nuance, <laughs> no subtlety, just blasting off into the night. Uh not not that charmed is like all about subtlety and nuance and shades of gray. Or anything like that, but it it at least seems to have a little bit more flavor <laughs> occasionally. Yeah. I, I also and uh, uh, 
Keep going. Oh, different different aspects of spectacle. Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, the charm spectacle is um, how many people with bad hair can we get to play? Yeah, the bad guy. Real, but there's like excitement in what the magic is. Yeah, yeah. And we get like one scene of that, I think, in in WandaVision. Are you thinking about the scene uh, where they're like underground and she's got the the runes that prevent? Yeah, yeah. That's that was freaking cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Wanda is like the Scarlet Witch is such an interesting um, superhero because she's a witch. Like her powers are magical, and she can actually become part of a magical order. Uh, which means that her powers are, like, steeped in this, like, history. Um, which, you know, you get from the, like, oh, yeah, uh, Agatha's read all these books, and she knows all these things about runes and stuff, and you're like, this is cool. Magic is, like, has always been around. It's always been, like, there, and there's just so much... Uh, I, I don't know, depth to it. But Yeah. Yeah, but then the second you're like, magic is actually just shooting laser beams out of my hands, then it's... It doesn't seem quite as magical. Then it's like Iron Man. Yeah, pretty much. You you know, anybody can build the suit. (laughs) Build a suit. Yeah. It that that scene and the episode in which Agatha takes Wanda through her memories basically to figure out what's going on and how they all came to be in this kerfuffle. Um I thought there were a lot of like very cheesy moments and I didn't actually particularly like the explanations they found mm-hmm. and the memories they did, some of which were so batshit <laughs> <laughs> that like, oh, Wanda likes television because her dad would sell bootlegs of sitcoms, American sitcoms, and then they all got blew up. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, again, subtlety? No, never. Hammer. Smashing on the head. Um, but yeah, like... in Still, there was set up in that episode for Agatha to actually start teaching Wanda about things beyond natural ability. Like you said, with study. Like, what's written? And how are what are all the different permutations of the magic that you're just doing naturally because you're so strong like what else can you do and i was like ooh maybe they'll fly off and i don't know form an alliance <laughs> and wanda's going to come back even more powerful because agatha will actually teach her things but no they just used it to make it a smarmy joke at the end of the season that was like who holds the runes now bitch mm-hmm. um it makes no sense yeah, what did you just memorize the way the runes let what what how did you know what to draw yeah yeah it's it's the the hero complex the we we've talked about this the hero's journey in which it's like one boy in all the world oh. and for some reason this person is able to do things that other people cannot. Yeah. But why is he better at it? He didn't actually study anything. And and that's what that's what happens with Wanda. Yeah. Um 
But but that dungeon scene, the basement dungeon scene, was really cool because we did get to see different kinds of magic, not just like moving the hand or like laser beams. There was like casting and mind control and enchantment and all this kind of stuff. And I thought that was really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I really like that scene. I like I just like the scene where it wasn't like full on like, oh, we're impersonating a, a um, I don't know, a decade or we're like driving the plot. I like the scenes that were just like little fun. I don't know. I guess they're exposition, but it feels like they're just travels into like, I don't know, a fun side story. Yeah, yeah. I like that too. I That's when I thought like, oh, this is more memorable. Mm-hmm. This is this is a crafted thought. It's not just we have, like you said, we have to drive the story forward. Yeah. The conclusion of which being, you're the Scarlet Witch. Here's your outfit. <laughs> In conclusion, <laughs> we we started out saying that we liked the concept and didn't like the execution, um, and I agree. And my my personal end of this podcast and end of discussing WandaVision um, I would like to focus on the moments that did bring me joy which were any of the moments that Catherine Hahn was gay (laughs) so all of the Um, moments so all of the moments every moment she was on screen with Elizabeth Olsen not every moment but there there were quite a few they started from the very first episode (laughs) Uh, that was wonderful. There was a lot of uh, touchy-feely gossipy, in which everyone knows in the 50s, if you, you see a woman and you don't see her husband, you only hear about him off-screen, <sighs> means she's a lesbian. Um, this is true, by the way. Certifiable. Uh, and then going all the way to the end, in which, for no reason, only for the lesbians, only for the lesbians, after Agatha is defeated and cast to the ground and left powerless, is her first phrase to Wanda, good girl. Yep. Now, I ask you, <laughs> what purpose does this serve if not to queer bait just like the tiniest bit? <laughs> and then after she's trapped in her mind prison of a sitcom persona, she immediately starts hitting on Wanda again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) No, you've, I I mean, it's so obvious. You've, like, explained all the facts, and they are factual. Yes, thank you. So there's a lot in there, too, but um, I wouldn't say you actually have to watch the series in order to, like, really enjoy the full extent of it. Um, there, There are clips on YouTube. You can just watch those. It's totally fine. Or you could watch anything else that Catherine Hahn has been in and been extremely bisexual in so other stuff is worth your time yeah you can check out shana's uh <laughs> you can check out shana's i don't know what you're calling it uh newsletter my ode yeah, <laughs> yeah. um my essay yeah check out the most recent posting yeah uh you can you can see that shanamacy.substack.com uh the katherine hahn bisexual cinematic universe only really the only positive thing to come out of WandaVision, just like, <laughs> without a scratch. Um, I might contest that with my final okay. closing thought. So, I, I... Give it to me. 
All right, one thing, again, I will say that I thought that this was profoundly disappointing. All right, I won't be that mean. It was, like, just disappointing. Um, no, be mean, be mean. <laughs> well, the Scarlet Witch is a... I mean, I, I've never really, like, watched or read her story, but after learning about it, I'm like, it's a tragic story. But it's not just tragic because, like, she loses things and she has a lot of loss in her life. It's tragic because she has to come to terms with it herself and, like, figure out who she is amidst all of that and how to be a good person, um, which this show was like, no, it's, it's sad because she had a sad life and now she's going to go do superhero stuff, um, which I think is missing the point <laughs> of, like, the, mm-hmm. the power of um, the Scarlet Witch. But, okay, the thing that I was going to say is my other last thought, which I was going to challenge you as, like, the other positive thing that come out of this was just the fact that we have another show where Randall Park is playing a character. Um, yes! <laughs> if, if Oh my god, we didn't even talk about it. I him. know, but it's okay, because the only thing that you need to know from me right now is that if you go on YouTube.com, and you click, and you type in Housewarming Cypher, and you look for a video that has Randall Park, David Diggs, Wayne Rady, Ukash Ambudkar, and Raphael Casal in it, you will get the best mashup known the best crossover known since the beginning of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Wow. Okay. Well, there you have it, folks. Yeah, I definitely got to shout out Randall Park, Tayona Paris. Uh, oh, my God. The gal who plays Darcy. Uh, She's in everything. I, don't, I love her. I don't know. Kat Dennings. Kat Dennings. Dennings. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, all all of the side characters. Kitty from that seventies show. They'd... Yep. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Anya from Buffy. I wish they had had more to do, but that was a stacked cast. It sure was. So, and of course, my favorite, Catherine Hunt. <laughs> uh, I uh, I think we said all that can be said about this show at this point in time. I think so too. Uh, thank you so much for listening to our rambles. Uh, I hope you I hope you enjoyed this special episode of just yelling. <laughs> Frankly, I I know I learned something. Me too. Uh, from Bryce. Oh, what? Well, I-, I also I also learned that I I don't know what a superhero <gasps> movie is supposed to be. But anyway, um, what does Marvel even know? Do they know? Uh, Marvel. Marvel knows money. That's it. Marvel knows money and ah, manipulation. Touchy. Um, and it ending engaging stories, maybe more like engaging visuals. Well, no, not even that. Anyway, watch something other than what's on Disney Plus today. <laughs> That's all I can say. Support your favorite directors, uh, and rent from a virtual cinema. Because that's the way that, that theaters are staying alive right now. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see you next time where we bring back Charmed, our favorite three ladies, and also Leo. <laughs> and also Leo. Yeah, our favorite angel. Um, we're going to do the sign-off? Yeah, well, I, you know, <laughs> I guess we gotta... <laughs> Well, I'm I'm Shayna, as you might know. Uh, you can find me at Bernadette Teeters on Instagram, at Bernie Teeters on Twitter. And you can also subscribe to my newsletter, shaynamacy.substack.com, 
uh, to hear even more of my yelling about <laughs> who I think is a queer icon. Um, and you can find me at your best Bryce and also at Finnish Foodstagram on Instagram. And that's about it. Yes, and together <laughs> we make Charmed to Spellcast. Uh, you can find us at Charmed Spellcast on Instagram. You can also write to us charmedspellcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Thank you so much and good night. Who's been messing with everything? Why the Hallowell's all along? Who's been casting and love spelling? It's the Hallowell's all along. Not so insidious. Who even uses perfidious? Somehow nobody's noticed, which is frankly unbelievable. My god, does anyone pay attention? It's too late to do anything now that our love for them is so strong. It's been the Hallowells, oh the Hallowells, it's been the Hallowells all along. You've been listening to Earbud Media Production. Earbud Media. Audio for everyone.